And if you'll take your Bibles tonight and join me in turning to Joshua chapter number 24. Joshua chapter number 24. Tonight we uh, pretty much come to an end of the series here on the book of Joshua. Uh, one thing that we learn when we study the Word of God is that God uses people who are not perfect. Amen. I'm certainly glad He does because if it took perfection uh, to be used, I certainly couldn't be used. Uh, we've observed great victories and some great failures in the life of Joshua, but in spite of his failures, he was still a very godly man. And praise the Lord for that. There are some characters that we meet in scriptures who begin well, but they finish badly. And uh, that's, But in Joshua, we don't see that. What wasn't the case in his life. He, he's an example of all of us, uh, to, to, example to all of us, I should say, of how to stay the course and finish strong. And remember, that was Paul's testimony too. When Paul got down to the end of his life, in 2 Timothy 4, 7, he said, I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. That's a strong finish. Amen. And we ought to we ought to desire to have a strong finish for the Lord. In Joshua's last days, we see here that he assembled Israel together to share one last exhortation before <clears throat> his death. And Joshua's burden at this last meeting was twofold. And uh, this is good. He he had a burden for those in his generation, but he also had a burden for the the future generations to come. And he wanted to make sure that his generation lived in such a manner so as to pass their spiritual heritage on to generations to come. Now when we get to the book of Judges, and we're going to go right on into the book of Judges, uh, we will see that his desire uh, was not met. Uh, he, wanted to, he wanted to see now, spiritual heritage passed on, but there arose a generation that knew not God. How sad, right? <clears throat> but it wasn't because Joshua didn't try. Joshua here gave to Israel God's formula for remaining in the land under God's blessings. And uh, God wanted to bless Israel. Uh, God wanted His people to succeed. You know, and God still wants all of His people to succeed. And from a biblical perspective, success is doing God's will and sticking with it. You stay in the course. And the only way for Israel to do that would be for them to stay the course. He taught them how to remain faithful for the long haul. And these principles are certainly applicable to us today. So let me share with you some thoughts tonight from our final look here at the book of Joshua. I'm hoping that we're going to get through it tonight. Uh, we're going to begin anyway. To begin, think of it as the, at least the beginning of the end, if not the end. And we'll t we'll take a look. We'll begin with uh, verses one through thirteen, and and let's let's read verses one through thirteen because very important here. And what we're going to see here, uh, uh, Joshua reviews God's blessings with the people. Look at verse one. And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem, and called for the elders of Israel, and for their heads and for their judges, and for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. This message is coming from the Lord here. He says, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old time, even Terah, the father of Abraham, and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. 
And I took your father, Abraham, from the other side of the flood and led him through all the land of Canaan and multiplied his seed and gave him Isaac. And I gave unto Isaac, Jacob, and Esau. And I gave unto Esau, Mount Seir, to possess it. But Jacob and his children went down into Egypt. I sent Moses also and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt according to all according to that which I did among, among them, and afterward I brought you out, and I brought your fathers out of Egypt. And ye came unto the sea, and the Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen unto the Red Sea. And when they cried unto the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians and brought the sea upon them and covered them. And your eyes have seen what I have done and Egypt, and ye dwelt in the wilderness for a long, with a long, a long season. You did dwelt in the wilderness a long season, and I brought you into the land of the Amorites, which dwelt on the other side of Jordan, and they fought with you, and I gave them into your hand that ye might possess their land, and I destroyed them from before you. Then Balak, the son of Zippor, King of Moab arose and warred against Israel and sent and called Balaam, the son of Beor, to curse you. But I would not hearken unto Balaam, therefore he blessed you still. So I delivered you out of his hand. And he went over Jordan and came unto Jericho. And the men of Jericho fought against you, and the Amorites and the Perizzites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And I delivered them into your hand, and I sent the hornet before you, which drave them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with thy sword, nor with thy bow. And I have given you a land for which ye did not labor, and cities which ye built not, and ye dwell in them of the vineyards and olive yards which ye have, have planted not do ye eat. Now think about that. They're reviewing God's blessings. The first thing Joshua did was to deliver a message from God that reviewed God's blessings in the lives of the Israelites here. And he prefaces what he is about to say here with the words, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel. In other words, this was not coming from Joshua. Joshua was delivering the Lord's message here. And this account of God's blessings is filled with verbs that are preceded by the personal pronoun, I. The Lord kept saying, I did this. In fact, in my Bible, I've got every I circled where, where the Lord was referring to himself, used 18 times, 18 times in 13 verses, the personal pronoun, I, referring to the Lord. 18 times God reminds them of what he has done for them. God reviewed the marvelous deeds that he had performed for Israel's benefit, Israel's deliverances and their victories and their prosperity, listen, were of God's good mercies on them. Uh, any greatness that Israel achieved was not by her own effort, but through God's grace and enablement. And uh, the Lord wanted them to remember that. So sometimes you can go through and, boy, things are going so well, and you get thinking about uh, what you've done. Instead of thinking about how good God's been to you, and uh, He was wanting them to understand uh, that uh, throughout it all, 
the Lord had been with them. These verbs reveal that God was actively involved in the lives of His people. And that's good for us to remember as well. Amen. God is actively involved in our lives, those of us that have believed on Him. Israel was prone to take the, the blessings of God for granted. We know that. I mean, when uh, uh, you think about the parents that their carcasses dropped in the wilderness, um, you know, when God provided the pillar of the cloud and the pillar of the fire to guide them when they got to the Red Sea and Pharaoh was on their ta- trail there behind them, uh, Exodus 14, 11, uh, uh, they you know, basically wanted to wind it to the Lord why the Lord brought them out there to, to die in the wilderness. Well, God opened up the Red Sea. They walked through on dry ground. And you'd have thought that they'd remember that. But uh, when they had trouble finding water, uh, and the water they did find was bitter, that was only three days later. Think about it. God did the, that miraculous thing there at the Red Sea. Three days later, they're murmuring again and uh, saying, what in the world are we going to drink? Well, God provided them good water to drink. Then they got hungry. And Exodus 16.2 says, And the whole congregation of the children of Israel murmured against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. God provided them manna. <laughs> then they had another time when they didn't have any water. Did they remember the first time they didn't have water that God provided? No, they did not. And they thirsted for water there. They murmured against Moses and said, Well, you know, you could brought us all out here to kill us and our, our children and our cattle with thirst. And after God provided them water again, they got to Mount Sinai. And, uh, you know, Moses spent a little bit too much time up on the mountain. What did they do? They abandoned God and went toward idolatry. How sad. After Mount Sinai, they complained about the manna that God had provided and wanted some meat. So God, God gave them meat. You know, you be careful what you ask for. God made them sick with meat. <laughs> you want meat? I'll give you meat. And be careful what you ask the Lord for. I, after God gave them quail, He later t- tells them to go into the promised land. And instead, they, they, they send 12 spies and they wound up believing the evil report of the 10 uh, that came back with an evil report and rather than believing God. And they wound up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years when those uh, that of age 20 and older uh, older than 20 there, they, they dropped in, their, their carcasses dropped in the wilderness. They died. And so these children uh, uh, got to see all of that with their, their moms and dads uh, dying in the wilderness. You would think that they would remember, wouldn't you? you think they, they would remember how their parents got in trouble. In spite of all that, God did not abandon them, but rather he continued to care for them. Uh, God provided for them by supernatural means. God preceded them in battle when they got into the land and they were going to uh, uh, secure the land. He, he had protected them in conflict. He had prospered them beyond measure. You know, one very important element for staying the course is a good memory related to God's past blessings in our life. May May we not forget what the Lord has done for us. This is one of the reasons that God established the ordinance of the Lord's table. You know, it says on the front of the table, this is doing remembrance of me, right? Uh, and we, uh, we do it in remembrance so we don't forget what the Lord has done. Now we need to review the blessings of God in our own life. 
That's what we take them for granted. And we need to remember our deliverance from the bondage of sin, the time of our salvation. I hope that you go back on a regular basis and think about the time when you were born again and how God brought you out of darkness into light and God gave you eternal life. Uh, we also, our conquest in the Christian life and getting victory over sin, God is supreme in that. He's the one that get, gave us the ability to get victory over sin. And our prosperity in this life, anything that we have, we have because of good, God's good grace in our life. And we need to thank Him for that, right? Remembering that we serve a God who is active in our lives and who has blessed us greatly will keep us from drifting from God's chosen course for us. So we need to review God's blessings. Then the second thing, we need to rehearse our responsibilities. And that's where we pick up in verse number 14. In light of what God has had done for us, there are rightfully some responsibilities that God expects from us as his children. You see the words there in verse 14, Now therefore, now therefore, he's referring back to the list of things that God reminded them uh, that he had done for them because God's been so good to you and all this stuff that God's done for you, therefore you ought to do this. He said, Now therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth. And put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve ye the Lord. <laughs> um, we see the responsibility of fearing God, first of all mentioned there. What, what is a holy fear of God? Well, it's a reverence. Uh, it's an awe. It's an esteem for God's holiness and power which results in obedience and service and, and, and a carefulness in our lives. Trying to be careful that we, we don't uh, bring uh, uh, God's name down. You know, we, if we go by, you go by God's name, you ought to uh, live like you belong to Him. Amen? It comes from a proper recognition of the character of, the, of God. Uh, it is the proper response to the recognition of God's character. Uh, it, it implies a right state of heart uh, toward God. To fear God is to glorify and worship Him. Uh, you know, the Bible has a lot to say about the fear of the Lord. Now, I'm not going to turn to all these passages. You, you can write them down if you want to. Most of them in the book of Proverbs. You read through the book of Proverbs, you're going to, you're going to see the fear of the Lord, fear of the Lord all through there. But uh, in Proverbs 1.7, it says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Amen? It is. And uh, it says in Proverbs 8.13 that uh, the fear of the Lord is, is to hate evil. You know, we ought to have a proper hate for evil. If we have a proper love for, for God in our lives, we ought to hate evil because God hates evil. Um, also, fear of the Lord prolongeth days. You want to live a good long life? for the uh, Well, fear God, according to Proverbs 10, verse number 27. Uh, the uh, fear of the Lord is a strong confidence, according to Proverbs 14, verse 26. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, according to Proverbs 14 and verse 27. Uh, combined with humility, it is the path to riches and honor and life, according to Proverbs 22, 4. By, by, by uh, humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Is that what that verse says? And then uh, we know that um, the, uh, 
the fear of the Lord is the root problem with the wicked. They don't fear the Lord. Lack of fear of the Lord, and we we see that in uh, Psalm 36, verse 1, and also we saw it recently in our study in the book of Romans on Sunday night. Romans 3 and verse 18, there's no fear of God before their eyes. Amen? So there's a responsibility of fearing God that we have. Then there's a responsibility of serving God. Not Now therefore fear the Lord and serve Him in sincerity and in truth. Now the kind of service God is looking for is wholehearted service. You ever seen somebody that uh, was doing something they didn't have their heart into, into it? You, know, you could tell the heart when the heart wasn't in it, right? You think God can tell when our heart's not in to serving Him like we ought to be? You know? Uh, the Lord is looking for wholehearted service and sincerity and the truth, uh, according there in verse 14. Serving sincerity means not just lip service or outward service. The word translated sincerity here means entirely with integrity. Entirely with integrity. And then serve in truth. That's talking about it, serving in faithfulness. The, the word translated truth here means stability. Certainty and trustworthiness. Can the Lord depend upon you? You know. Um, then we see the responsibility of putting away other gods. There in verse fourteen, he says, uh, "In the middle of the verse, put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood." He already he already talked about those those uh, those gods there in early in chapter twenty four there as he was talking about uh, Abraham's father. And uh, the, the gods that he served, those are the ones when he's talking about the other side of the flood, he's talking about the, the, those gods before, uh, uh, there in, before Abraham came to know the Lord, before the Lord came into his life. Um, he's talking about uh, putting away the old gods, and, and that's with them. This is talking about salvation. Uh, you know, the, we need to put away the things that we serve prior to salvation in our lives. You know, some folks serve their job. Some folks serve leisure. Some folks serve self. And some folks have habits that control them or other things that control them. Whatever uh, we put before the Lord is really a God. That's the kind of service God is looking for. It's exclusive service. And a God is anything that we put ahead of the one true God. It doesn't have to be an, an idol that you bow down to. It's something that you put before the Lord. Uh, he talked not only about putting away old gods, but he talked about putting away new gods. Talk about the gods of the Amorites and whose land you dwell. The, the, the things that try to draw you away from serving God after you come to know Him. You know, when, when you come to know the Lord, there are things that try to pull you away from the Lord. And we don't need to succumb to the distractions of this life that want us to put ourselves first rather than putting God first in our life. So responsibility of putting away other gods. We see the responsibility also of choosing to serve the Lord. According to verse number 15 there, And if it seemed evil unto you to serve the Lord... Choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve 
the Lord. Now, uh, a choice must be made. Uh, it's an individual responsibility. He says, choose you this day whom ye will serve. Now, we all must make a choice of whom we will serve, not of whether we will serve. You're going to serve something. That's right. Even if you uh, serve yourself, you're going to, you're serving. You're going to be, you're going to serve something. And you can make that choice for yourself. No one can make that choice for you. God will not force you uh, or me to serve Him. He wants you to choose to serve Him. It's not only an individual responsibility, but it's a family responsibility. Of course, Joshua had uh, the head of his household, and he said, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We must realize the choices that we make affect our families. and We're, we're called upon to make that choice, and Joshua served as a great example to his family and to the rest of God's people. Then we see the responsibility of fulfilling our promises to the Lord. Now, let's read verses uh, verse 16 through 18 here. It says, And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. You know, too bad they didn't have that uh, quote put before their eyes on a continual basis because it wasn't very long that they were serving other gods. Verse 17, he said, for, for the Lord our God, he it is that brought us up, and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, and which did those great signs in our sight and preserved us in, in all the way wherein we went, and among all the people through uh, whom we passed. And what they're doing here is they're acknowledging that what God said was true. They're acknowledging that it's wrong for them to be serving other gods. God forbid, you know, may, it never, may it never happen, but yet, here in just a little bit, not going to be long, uh, that's what they're going to be doing. Verse 18, And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites, which dwelt in the land. Therefore will we serve the Lord, for he is our God. Um, so the response of the people was basically, we're going to serve the Lord. You know, don't worry about us. We're going to serve the Lord. Well, the Israelites were good about promising with their lips, but not with their actions. <laughs> and uh, look at uh, uh, Joshua call a hand on it in verse 19 through 21 here. He's, and Joshua said unto the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for he's a holy God. Uh, he is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after that he hath done you good. And the people said unto Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. Um, so they were caught up with the uh, emotion of the message there. And boy, you know, you, you can get caught up in the emotion of uh, messages many times. Um, and then once you leave this place, and once you leave the message behind, uh, well, a lot of times the message gets less left behind as well. You know, and they were caught up in the emotion of the message. They had a burst of enthusiasm. Boy, we're going to serve the Lord. It was, but it was full of insincerity. They weren't being real. And Joshua challenged them to prove their sincerity by their works. Look at verse 22. And Joshua said unto the people, Ye are witnesses 
against yourselves that ye have chosen you the Lord to serve him. And they said, we are witnesses. He said, now therefore put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. It's kind of like uh, Joshua's been seeing some of these gods. Yeah, Right? Where the Lord has has say you know has told him that you know there's some of the people they're still they're still uh, carrying around gods from the old life, and he says you know put put them away, incline your heart, lean lean toward the Lord. Um, look at uh, verse twenty four, and the people said unto Joshua, the Lord our God will we serve, and His voice will we obey. And so uh, we see that uh, after, when he, they received this challenge, Joshua set a stone as a witness and as a reminder to them. Uh, look at verse 25. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day and set them a statute and an, and a, and an ordinance in Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God and took a great stone and set it up there under an oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said unto all the, the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness unto, unto us, for it hath heard all the words of the Lord which he spake unto us. It shall, therefore, uh, it shall be therefore a witness unto you, lest you deny your God. So Joshua let the people depart, every man into his own inheritance. Listen, folks. You know, if we stay the court, if we're going to stay the course and not drift from God, uh, we must never forget what God's done for us. We must realize that our empty promises are of no use to God. God's not looking for you to say what you're going to do; He's looking for you to do it. Amen. <laughs> he wants He wants you to follow through on what you have said. What God desires is a total, wholehearted commitment to Him, and we must make a conscious choice and commitment to serve God and then follow through on that commitment. We must leave a good example for the future generations. Whom will you serve? You're going to serve a God. Will you serve the one true God uh, no matter the cost? I mean, that's what the Lord wants. Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Well, let's take a look at the last few verses here. Verse 29. And it came to pass after these things that Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, being an hundred and ten years old. And they buried him in the border of his inheritance in Timnath, Sirah, which is in Mount Ephraim, on the north side of the hill of Gaash. And Israel served the Lord, notice this now, Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua and all the days of the elders that outlived Joshua and which had known all the works of the Lord that he had done. Okay, And the bones of Joseph, remember they brought the bones of Joseph out of Egypt? Okay. Well, here's what they're doing with those. Bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt, buried they in Shechem, 
and a parcel of ground that which Jacob bought of the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for an hundred pieces of silver, and it became the inheritance of the children of Joseph. And Eleazar, the son of Aaron, died, and they buried him in a hill that pertained to Phinehas, his son, which was given him in Mount Ephraim. So we see the end here, but the story uh, is not over. Okay. Um, we're going to see the warnings were not heeded when we get into the book of Judges and some disastrous consequences take place. Amen? All right, that's our Bible study for this evening. I trust that you've enjoyed our time in the book of Joshua. Let's pray for the needs on our prayer list. Pull it out, pray for the needs, and we'll be dismissed. Amen.